Hello there, and welcome to Pink Milk, your Star Wars podcast for us super fans. And those of us who are forced to listen to them. Today is someday, and someday ain't nobody talking about Star Wars. No, no, no. It's that time. Drink up. Drink up. Hello, Thomas. Hello, you know what? Brian. <laughs> this office is not a mess. I did not say it was a mess. I said you have a lot of shit in it. <laughs> we are like not even a minute in and you're cursing. I mean, there's things everywhere. Thomas, I am a live streamer. I am a podcaster. I am a graphic designer. There's light hanging. There's cameras hanging. There's ring lights. There's extension cords to the ring lights. Bobbleheads, set pieces, set pieces. Thomas, we have a, an extremely <laughs> successful, very popular, one of YouTube's highest rated live streams. I know. It needs to look good. <laughs> but I am personally <laughs> insulted that you act as though my office is messy. It's really not. I did not. Did I ever say it was messy? You did not. I said you had a lot of shit in here. <laughs> but it's also not shit. It's things. This is a busy life. Yes, lots of things. Well, welcome to Things Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Brian. With me, as always, is my much better host, the Things Observer. <laughs> Wait, he's not my better host. He's not my... today, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> he's my husband, and your better host. This is Thomas. Hello, hello, hello. And we're Pink Milk, where we have clean and organized offices, even though we have lots of things going on in them, because we're very busy people. <laughs> Lots of things, people. Lots of things. You know what? I'm going to take pictures. They've seen this, the, uh, the live version. They see your things. And I get... Whatever. Whatever. Sorry. Looks great. Love it. I didn't say it didn't look great. <laughs> I just said you had lots of things. A.K.A. <laughs> well, welcome to Pink Melkor. Normally we talk about Star Wars. However, today is not that day. Because we are watching Princess Mononoke. I rhymed there and everything. You did. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> so we mentioned last week that we were going to watch either Princess Mononoke or Akira, two of my favorite films of all time. Twitter has spoken, spoke rather loudly, and Princess Mononoke it was. And what a glorious weekend it has been watching this movie. I love it. We were watching this to prepare Tom for Star Wars Visions, which, at the day you are listening to this episode, it is out on Disney+, and I'm very excited. Very excited. So, Thomas, you have not been all that stoked to see an anime Star Wars. You did like the trailer for Visions. I did. I have to say that. But you have said that you did not particularly enjoy anime. Historically speaking, I'm not a big fan of anime. However... Mm -hmm. I did like Princess Mononoke. <laughs> One of my favorite movies of all time. It was. I have spoken about this film with Tom for 14 years. He's and I never watched it. to never see it. <laughs> but thank you, Twitter. Hey, I think everybody can attest I'm a pretty good husband. 
Look, I'm here. You're not look at all the things that you get me to watch. You're not pretty good. You're the best. Oh, even better. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, I have to say, so this movie came out in like, it came out in like 1997, I think. Saw it in the movie theater, was blown away. It very much shaped the way I look at spirituality and religion. I think I already kind of was along the lines of a lot of the stuff that this film talks about spiritually spiritually, and uh, for that reason it's so incredibly important to me as a person. So you enjoyed it. I did. Was there parts more than others that you enjoyed more than others? Were there... What did you think of the animation? Because yeah. that's where you're Yeah, that's what usually lost. my big thing. I... I don't know. It just looked like another animation. You know, I didn't really get hung up on the whole anime. It didn't look very anime to me. Studio Ghibli is amazing. Yeah, no, it was really, really. Is that the same guy who did Avatar? No. Oh, okay. Though Avatar The Last Airbender, I'm sure, was clearly very uh, influenced by this mm-hmm. movie in particular. So are you All feeling Ghibli. Visions is going to be along the lines of this anime? I don't know. Because I could like it. There are seven different studios. So I'm expecting... And we saw the trailer. There's, I think there's going to be seven very different looking styles. Hmm. I don't know. I'm here for it. I'm very excited. Um, so we're going to do something a little different today. So forgive us. We're not used to talking about anything other than Star Wars, but we're going to talk about this movie. Let's do it. And uh, talk about... I'm going to bring up how much... It influenced the way I watch Star Wars, I think, after I saw this film and some things that maybe I would like to see the future of Star Wars do uh, more explicitly and maybe with um, a little more finesse than we normally get with Star Wars mm-hmm. from this movie. Because I think I think Star Wars is very much influenced by Japanese film to begin with and Japanese culture like is a huge influence on all of Star Wars um so I think it it only makes sense to for me to bring anime to Star Wars I'm really excited and I think it's going to introduce anime to a lot of different people like you and it has because the truth is I'm not some massive like anime fan I I mean we have listeners that really are and a lot of people in nerd circles that I'm a part of are very big anime fans. Mm -hmm. I like it. I don't know about it as much, you know? I mean, Akira and Princess Mononoke are anime films, and they are two of my favorite movies ever in the entire world, but I wouldn't say I'm a big anime fan. So I have a lot to learn, too, and I'm very excited. And I appreciate I'm really stoked to see all these different styles because as an artist and an illustrator myself, I think I really value different takes i've said it before and i'll say it again right now animation is probably one of my favorite mediums if not my comics are probably my very favorite medium because i like how an illustration is the inside of someone's mind on how they see the world and i think it influences the stories more than like just people can because people are people Mm -hmm. but i love it what 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 are your overall thoughts on the movie. You said you liked it, but what are like le- like what are some more overall before we really dig into it? Hmm. Well, I definitely wasn't very excited about seeing it. <laughs> I was uh I didn't vote for it on Twitter. <laughs> but and- truthfully I thought it was really, really good. It was longer than I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seemed to go by quite quickly. It really does, because <laughs> it, it does. is not a short movie. No, no, no. I like the whole family structure in the beginning with the tribe. Mm-hmm. I like the main character 
What was his name? Ashitaka! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I liked him. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. I thought it was sad he never got to go back to his people again. Mm-hmm. And that even after he got, or he was cured, if you will, mm-hmm. he still didn't go back, or at least didn't mm-hmm. seem like he was going mm-hmm. back. But He uh, was dead to them. I know, that's sad. Very sad. But... I was confused about the forest god mm-hmm. is that what it was mm-hmm. yeah the forest spirit the forest mm-hmm. spirit i was confused at the end as to what was happening but uh but yeah okay no i love it i think i mean i guess it depends on like i can understand being sad that he doesn't go back but that he wasn't greedy that was the whole to me the point of of so much mm-hmm. and i'll be bringing up a lot of i think ashitaka and my understanding of who that character is into star wars here in a little bit as we get into it because i think there's some really interesting things here and there's a lot of parallels between ashitaka and my very favorite star wars character ahsoka ahsoka tano but yeah there are a lot of parallels and a lot of anyway i think this film really shaped how I think of the Jedi and probably part of why I love Ahsoka so much. So uh, the movie opens up and we found out that there was a time when man and beast lived together and something happened along the way. We open up with like a gigantic boar, which already like makes it feel mystical. And, and we have, um, Oh God, I'm blanking on his name. Oh my God. His elk. Sorry. Just watch, just watch the movie again. And I've already forgotten his name. <laughs> the elk's name, the elk, uh, you know, is already mystical looking anyways, but mm-hmm. uh, there's like a demon. And God, that is really creepy. Like our youngest son came down from it. And I really, the two little ones are too young for this movie. This is not really a kid's film <laughs> at all. Even outside of the violence, like it's kind of scary and too heady. But uh, this, this boar has been, is possessed by a demon. We found out that something happened to him that made him sick. And then he went crazy. Right. So, we found we we meet an old lady, the lady of the village, who's clearly like the high priestess. She's the one who runs the show. We find out that a a iron ball killed him and drove him mad. And during the time of Ashitaka trying to save him, he's touched by the demon and now he's cursed and he has to leave leave the the village because he's going to go mad himself. And they basically have to protect themselves from a future demon-possessed Ashitaka. So he's a warrior, he's the prince, and now he's banished, right? Mm-hmm. So we go along, and he is now like a wandering person without anywhere to go. We see a bunch of samurai raiding a village, and he calls it a massacre. And his possessed arm does some major killing chop some heads off of them. He's super strong, all of these things. But he's now this this wandering warrior without a place to go, right? And like I said earlier, this movie came out in 1997. So episode one had not come out yet. It would not come out for two more years, hmm. depending on uh, two years-ish, because I don't need anyone saying, well, that's um, actually, Princess Mononoke came out in November of 1997. And... <laughs> I don't know when it came out. Whatever. I'm just teasing. Kind of not really. Um, <laughs> but I was like, this whole idea of 
I wouldn't say it's, there's no magic. I mean, yes, the priestess was reading rocks and stuff, but there's just something mystical going on in this movie, right? There isn't magic per se, but would you feel like if magic were in this world, would it feel out of place? Yes. Oh, you do? No. Yeah. <laughs> Let's edit that out, too. <laughs> no. I was just looking to see what the right answer was going to oh. be. No, there is no right answer. Your belief is the right answer. I, I don't feel magic would feel out of place. Like, if there was a wizard introduced into the story, I don't feel like it would seem out of whack. Uh, no, I agree. I agree. So, I always kind of felt that that's what the Jedi were going to be. I didn't see the Jedi back as a very young something, 1997. I wasn't that young to age myself. That's the year I graduated high school, so I was not that young anymore. Um. But to me, that's what the Jedi were going to be like. I thought they were going to be these, like, knights slash wizards riding around on horseback, stopping the Empire with machines. That's not what we got. And, but I still think it's somewhere in the history of the Jedi, this idea of man living with the world around him exists and that's so much that is at the heart of this film is being able to walk in between two very different worlds the world that came before man and the world that came after man and how do those two things exist because honestly human beings we're tied to the earth we're earthbound but are we even earthbound anymore now that we're flying out to outer space? And like, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, somewhere along our human lineage, a homo species started carving rocks. And then once we started carving rocks, we figured out how to make fire. Once we mastered fire, everything changed for us. If you go back to the fossil records and you look at human evolution and ecology, and we can pinpoint around... I used to know all this stuff off the top of my head. I don't remember anymore. But there was a, when we learned to control fire, we changed the world, literally. Like forests started getting burned down because we didn't know what we were doing. But we are no longer, we can now manipulate the environment around us. The environment no longer manipulates us. And that is at the heart of this film. And I always kind of thought that's kind of what the Jedi were going to represent. This idea that, that, you could interact with the world around you on a very spiritual level versus the idea of controlling the world around you. Um, but we don't get that with the Jedi that I know. There might be some books out there or something. I mean, it's kind of in there. And I think, like, The Mandalorian is bringing that in a little bit with this idea of, of wizards, you know. And Ray says that in the sequel trilogy, thinking there were myths and all of that. But, um, like, what did you think of that idea in this because we're quickly we're we realize industrialism being the iron ball that killed nature is right at the very beginning of the thing we figure out we know that's what the conflict is in this in this movie mm -hmm. what did you like what is what things come to your mind when you think about that kind of stuff uh can you ask me that again <laughs> <laughs> let me ask it differently Please. like what are your what are your thoughts? The idea of man versus nature is nothing new. That is a very common thing. Like, where, how do you think about those kinds of things? Because you and I are very different in that. Like, I am more 
I think sometimes hippy dippy of we are not more than we are still equally a part of nature as everything else. We're just an animal like anything else. We're just gifted with these extra things, but we're not really separate. Well, remember, my background is very religious, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's more a religious based than what I think you're asking me, to be honest with you. But they're they're tied together for me, like in Mm -hmm. the Bible, Mm -hmm. animal is created for man. Right. Right. I don't mm-hmm. like I can't I can't get there like I can't it's also do unto others as you want to have done unto you. Yeah. And, you know, you know, take care of your stranger. Uh, mm. Excuse me, your your brother and all that. Be kind to strangers. So, OK, so we get into some mm-hmm. of that because but that's strangers. That's fellow man. What mm-hmm. is the responsibility between you and a boar or a wolf or an ape or a tree spirit? To me, in personally, this movie, respect. Like, in a way, okay. I mean, especially, you know, we've always had an animal in our lives. So whether it's a boar or, an, you know, a dog or a cat, you know, to me, I'm looking at them all the same. I'm not going to eat the boar. You yeah. know, I'm so far away from that life mm-hmm. that it doesn't even register for me. So because that's some of the, like one of the things I love about this film is I, I it is really complex. Like there's a lot of layers to this story. Mm-hmm. Lady of Oshi's kind of the villain. Maybe until the end, and then it's uh, um, Georgie or Chunky or whatever his name is, Billy Bob Thornton, the monk, kind of is the bad guy, but you also still kind of like him, mm-hmm. and that's because of Ashitaka. Ashitaka is this is the needle through the story that doesn't allow allow you to dislike anyone. Mm-hmm. He's really good at like of being non greedy, being in the middle, being those things, but. You know, at the be- when we first meet Lady Eboshi, I mean, she's portrayed as the villain of the thing. She's the one who killed the boar, who killed the people. She's after the tree spirit. She wants to destroy the forest so she can mine it for iron. So that's the industrialization. She's after money and industry over the forest around her, right? Mm-hmm. But she, her belief system is something that you just said. Do unto others as you would undo to you. Mm-hmm. And she... We are very quickly introduced to her helping these people with with leprosy and the lepers. And she's Mm -hmm. where everyone else would have abandoned them. She's giving them strength. She's pulling women out of servitude who are Mm -hmm. mistreated and giving them the power to be something else. So, okay, well, I just thought I didn't like you. But now you're really doing these really good things. But she is... thinks she's above these other things in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Not not that she's better than, just above them, that she's a human being, they're just animals. And I think it goes into the idea that I thought was going to be more, to bring it back to Star Wars, sorry, that I thought was going to be more of the idea of the Sith versus the Jedi, but they've actually been doing it recently in... Star Wars with the Empire. We got the idea, you know, we go into this idea with Bad Batch of this is my purpose. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm with Crosshair. You know, he's kind of protecting protecting his fellow clones. This is the mission. Um, the client, Flava Flav, from season one of The Mandalorian. Remember, he's like, we, we lost the Empire. And now look at everything that's going on. I want to bring the Empire back because there was order. It was restored. There was peace. Mm-hmm. Was there really peace? No. But to him, there was. And I feel like that's what that's what Lady Yaboshi's trying to do. She's trying to create this industry to help protect a larger group of people. 
You know, she she wants to what she sees she's doing is good. Mm-hmm. And she just wants to bring that. And I think but I think Ashitaka points out to her that she's still really selfish because it's what she wants. And it might be the right thing. And then we meet Princess Mononoke, San, who wants to protect the forest. Okay, that makes sense. You should protect nature, right? We're all having these conversations. But again, San and the wolf pack and all of the gods, the boars and the wolves and the apes, but they're doing because that's what they want to do. And they're at each at odds with one another. And Ashitaka is sitting here in the middle saying, but we can all be here together. Like, we just have to learn to work with one another. And it's a really important message, you know? I think... I well, think, it's very much like the real world today, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Only there's the absence of that one person trying to bring everybody together. Everybody thinks they're right. They're on his yeah. side. And who's to say they're not? Yep. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, we are very much in the middle yeah. of that right now. There is, there is no way we can be together. Because you are here and I am there and there's no walking towards one. It's a really, I mean, it's horrible. It's really, really dangerous and it's mm-hmm. horrible. And dear God, we need some sort of, we need someone. Well. <laughs> whether it's a religious leader, whether it's a political leader, whether it's an activist, there needs to be someone out there saying, like, we can all get along. We all have to listen. We all have to learn to compromise and come together. F- because, like, in our country, we all want our country to be healthy, successful, mm-hmm. take care of other people. And there are different attitudes and different ways of getting there. So we all have to listen to one another and figure out how to get there together. Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing with religions, right? Yes, exactly. Um, you know, I think when I, when I think about this in Star Wars terms, I like this idea with, with, what Palpatine's trying to do, because I do think there is something really interesting there of the idea of industry and religion being used to manipulate one of the entire prequels are built on those two things, you know, like we'll be a really powerful galactic empire. If we can get all of the systems together and create one big government, we can work together as one tool to all become really successful. And he's villainizing religion at that point in time, you know, but Star Wars is really ultimately about like villainy in Star Wars is the hunger for power, whether that's religious power or government power. That's what it comes down to is who holds the power. Right. Mm-hmm. And in this, it's the same thing. It's about power. It's about the forest wanting the power to be, to kill all the humans. The humans want the power to kill all the beasts. And people, when they get hungry for too much power, turn into demons. And Star Wars does that really well. Like, we're introduced to Darth Vader, who, sure, it's a helmet, but he looks like the devil come to life, right? When you first met him, you've talked about how scared you were of Darth Mm -hmm. Vader. Like, he looks like a big, menacing, black demon of death. Absolutely. (laughs) Right? And we find out that he is a powerful wizard, basically who is evil until the story goes on but during the prequels we see palpatine who started off as a normal man in episode one he didn't even he looked fine right he looked mm-hmm. he looked idyllic idyllic and very fairy tale like he 
the prequels look so much like like the idea, the Renaissance and this time of art and beauty, at least on Naboo, that's really important to them. And he starts to slowly change. And then he gets the power. And he converted the one person who wanted to convert the whole time with Anakin, right? And he shoots out lightning and as a power move to dominate over the Jedi. And then he physically turns into a demon right in front of our eyes and becomes the raisin face Palpatine that we all know. And like his voice changes and he very much becomes a demon. But there aren't necessarily this film brings in a lot of subtlety that just isn't there in Star Wars. And I think it's it's there. But do you but that's for me. Like, do you ever get those subtleties in Star Wars? Like, or did you even pick up the subtleties in this film? Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I did a little here and there, you know. <laughs> I mean, you've seen it so many times. I, it's I my have. first time. It, it, I mean, it, I found it a little confusing. Okay. Um, it's very interesting hearing you relay it back to me, though, and being like, wow, I didn't pick up on that. I wonder if another look is going to be required. Don't hold me to it. <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> don't. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. But, like, I think this is something, this is what I want to start seeing more in Star Wars is this idea of like the subtlety of that. Like, wouldn't it be cool actually if we, and I felt like we could have gotten that with Ray. Maybe there's still room for this in Ray, but she, when she first gets, sees the lightsaber in the force awakens, remember she wants nothing to do with it. She runs away from it. She doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. What if we ever met a Jedi who, or not a Jedi, a person who is Force-sensitive, and they view it as a curse, and they don't want it. That'd be interesting. Like, that would be... Nothing really ever good comes from Force users. You're either a Jedi, you're a Sith, you're constantly running away, running towards the light, or running away from the dark side, however you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been... We've seen... We met Anakin, who, we learned, starts to run away, run towards the dark side, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of runs or maybe you could even view that he's running towards the light side maybe he's always the dark side but he's trying desperately to be good you have kylo ren in this in the sequel trilogy running towards the light and running away from the light side because he views the light side as you know the wrong thing it's interesting like i think and then we find out that ray is like the daughter of a demon and we don't really which is such a shame that's where tross like fails because that's really, to me, I think it's really interesting that she comes from that. I understand that people wanted away from the Palpatines and the Skywalkers. Well, was but her mother really a demon, though? No, I'm talking about Palpatine. Okay. And who was a clone? Well, the who wasn't a clone? Who was like a, a, a shadow strand or something? Oh, I don't okay. know. It's very incoherent. But let's mm-hmm. just, like, straight up, she's the granddaughter of the devil. Right. And so her viewing being force sensitive as a curse could make a lot of sense and really question what all of the things means and what does it mean to be that the burden that she now bears like this film in princess mononoke you feel the burden that ashitaka is carrying being cursed by that demon the whole time right mm-hmm. so i'm looking forward to that but you had brought up Earlier, and I don't remember what you said now, but I was like, I mentioned Ahsoka Tano. Mm-hmm. And I very much feel like she is a very, a lot like 
and Ashitaka. She is this character who we all, if you I haven't brought it up in a while, like when she walks away from the order, it was this moment that changed me as a human being forever to let go of anger. She has every right. I mean, think about her. Mm-hmm. She has every right to be really angry at the Jedi Council, right? I mean, she gave them everything. Absolutely. And they turned her back. They turned their back on her so quickly. Honestly, Anakin, she has the right to be, you know, she sees him again. And we just saw this in season seven, you know. I wouldn't say she's warm and fuzzy with him anymore. She's heartbroken. He, he kind of did her wrong. Mm-hmm. And she loves him. But she's not super welcoming back to him at the same time either. Like, that chapter is closed. You are my brother. You are my father. You're these things. And I love you. But, like, I can't be around you anymore. Like, I don't believe in this. And then we meet the Martez sisters, you know? And, like, and they show the dark side of the Jedi to her. But at the same time, hearing how horrible some of these other things are, this is an interesting question for you, actually. Like... When Ahsoka hears someone from the outside saying all these horrible things about the Jedi, she's pretty quick to defend them Mm -hmm. because she understands them. Like, you've been pretty open about being gay and being Catholic. And Mm -hmm. let's be honest, the Catholic Church is not, and maybe they're changing a little bit, but they're not exactly super gay friendly. No. (laughs) You know? Like, so I feel like... I've been around you long enough that you, when you speak to another gay person about Catholicism, you don't seem to get as defensive. Not defensive. That's not the right word. You don't defend the church the same way as you do when I get frustrated with it. Like when I get frustrated with religion in general, which is often, (laughs) like you get very protective of it and remind me of the good things in it, just like Ahsoka kind of did. With the Martez sisters. And Ashitaka does that throughout this whole thing. It's He's constantly reminding everyone of the other side. There are benefits to all of it. He's the cursed one, but almost out of being cursed, he somehow is, like, free. Mm-hmm. And I feel that... I feel that is a very Ahsoka type of thing. She's free from the Jedi and their thinking... She's free from the dark side because she wasn't even she wasn't even tempted by it. I mean, imagine imagine the order kicking Anakin out. That dude would have like taken them all down right then and there. He probably would have lit up his lightsaber and went after him right then and there. He would have instantly been like triggered by it. But she wasn't. And I think like that. That is something this film really probably does shape because it. I think this movie is such a part of who I am because of when it came out and it really, really was like very influential on me mm-hmm. um, on a spiritual level of, of I didn't have a religion, just like Ahsoka doesn't have a religion, just like Ashitaka doesn't have it anymore. They kicked him out. And not that the church was, not that his, his town was his religion, but they kicked him out. You know, like, and he was out there wandering on his own. We mention that all the time. I think a lot of us, when we come out, kind of are on our own. You left home after college, right? You were 25 when you came, flew across the country, and you're on your own. You weren't kicked out because you were gay. No one knew yet, right? True. But 
that's kind of also why you left, right? You almost kicked yourself out of your family to kind of come out. Well, I needed to go to a place that was my own mm-hmm. and figure out whatever it is that I was going to be. Because I'm not necessarily sure that I knew that I was gay then anyway. So I just looked for a new opportunity. But you kind of banished yourself in a way, maybe. Where there was no entanglements of the past, yes. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of queer people have to do that. But I there's something think they do, too. There's something freeing about it, right? I mean, it's really scary. It's very scary. And it's very, very hard. It is hard. Mm-hmm. But I think I... My experience with being queer, and let's face it, most of the people I know are queer, I feel like we're really good at examining all sides of things because we've had to do it. Mm-hmm. We either have to justify our parents being upset with us or our friends being upset with us. We have to justify how do we still like, protect them, support a government mm-hmm. or support a church that looks down on us. But like seeing the other side, like we just we have to question everything all the time and it is tiring, but hopefully we can do it without becoming angry and jaded because I for me, there's a time and place to be angry. But I look to someone like Ashitaka or an Ahsoka Tano in these moments and find a lot of inspiration that to hold your breath because more people will listen to you. If you don't behave that way for me, I mean, you need yelling on sides too. I don't, I don't ever want to come across like a thing protesting and being mad and, and yelling. Heck, aren't we really learning that as parents too? No. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the minute you raise your voice, yeah. nothing's going to happen anyway. So you, if you could just remain calm, that a hundred percent, which is any parents out there, you'll understand it's a, it's and a daily some, challenge. And sometimes we fail because sometimes we yell. Yeah. <laughs> Looking wow. at you, Michael. We can push every button. <laughs> yeah. But I, I I really I like I just I love the I love this movie for what I want the Jedi to be like. I feel like Ashitaka is the Jedi that I never got that I wanted and I still want. And that's probably why I love Ahsoka so much, because she is all of these things. She fights for freedom. She fights for the people who need to be fought for. She speaks up. She never backs down, backs down to anything. But she does it in a way without hating her enemy, if that makes sense. It does. She, she combats her enemy to try to talk them back down. And at the same time tell the other side that this person still has a i understand how this person got here like you're not completely innocent over here like that's that's what she stands for it's so important and it's so amazing i mean look and look how she was she was going to join darth maul until her attachment for anakin like he he thought he was going to manipulate her with that and it was wrong it was the wrong thing because i think in that moment now that we're talking I can't even... What would Anakin do if he saw her with him, with Maul? Like, I don't even think Anakin could handle that. And I think that's what maybe stopped her. I don't know. I've never really thought about that until literally just now. But that's something that I learned, I think, as an 18-year-old, 17, 18-year-old kid in this film to 
understand there are two sides to a coin. Both can have valid parts and both could have sides that are wrong. And you have to walk. You don't have to choose the side of a coin. You can walk down the edge of a coin and just walk in that circle and, and, and be able to be part of both sides, which I think is really, really awesome. But um, the end, you said you were confused by the end of this movie. So I don't even know. We're not really reviewing the movie. I mean, the Who black cares? stuff yeah. <laughs> went everywhere. <laughs> I was thinking it was something else because remember, he was the spirit god of the forest, correct? Mm-hmm. And when they killed him, or the one person killed him. Lady Eboshi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the black stuff went everywhere. I was wondering if that was death, if you will. It was the spirit leaving the physical and mm-hmm. spreading throughout everyone who was surrounded by it. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, they said earlier that, that the forest spirit was both the giver and the taker of life. Mm-hmm. And... Life took something from him, took his head, right? So he was wanting his head. Everyone who wants something in this film loses something. Hmm. I mean, except for maybe Jory or I, I, what, the monk's name. I'm blanking on his name. I kept wanting to call him Chunky, but it's not Chunky. <laughs> <clears throat> um, we had the greatest little shoes. But, like, I think put on a hat. Life can feel really greedy sometimes. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think from there, all of the people, I think it was from the viewpoint of all of the characters in this life was asking for too much. Lady Eboshi just wanted to help people and she needed the forest to get there. But it, the forest was fighting her for that thing. The forest just wanted to live over there. And, and Lady Eboshi and those people were t- trying to take that from them. Lady Eboshi was now getting attacked by the by the emperor and these samurai thing like everyone want wants something and it's about balancing out those wants with giving life can't live without death but if there's only death life can't live either and i think this movie is really just about balance and isn't that what all of star wars is about absolutely Bringing balance to the force absolutely <laughs> you know i think that's what that was my interpretation of it anyways like and I, I'm just, I love this movie, and I'm really hoping to get some of this with Vision. So you're giving it a thumbs up. I'm you're giving, giving it a I'm recommendation. It ten digits up. I have to say, I've loved hearing it back through your eyes, to be honest with you. So well, that's I good. look forward to the day that I will take another uh Because Lord, Lord knows I feel like I'm rambling, and this is going to be a really horrible episode. Hey, welcome to my world, people. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, I, I, I'm really excited for Vision's. Mostly because, not that I think they're going to address any of these things necessarily, but there's a freedom that I feel from... It, th- we're getting some of this freedom in the High Republic, too, because it play, takes place before the Skywalker saga, that there's this freedom that we can explore more things. Like, this is the meat of Star Wars that I love. Like, that's what I hope we talk enough about on this podcast. That's what I wanted Pink Milk to be able to address is the stuff that's underneath. There's a spiritual aspect to Star Wars. There's a spiritual aspect to what drives all these characters. There is, like, motivation beyond pew, pew, pews, beyond getting stuck on, oh, I wanted to get away from Palpatine. I wanted to get away from Skywalkers. But what's driving all of these things? And that's something that I think this movie 
does so incredibly well is understanding where all of them come from. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I know nobody else wants Palpatine, but what drove Palpatine to want all these things? I think that's an interesting story. I want to hear it. You know? Like, I, I'm hoping, but I'm hoping that there's some different kinds of conversation centered around, centered around the Jedi in Visions. Like, let's let's get it. Let's see some ideas of people call it a gray Jedi. I don't exactly personally like it, but a gray Jedi is someone who's not light and who is not dark, who can see both sides, a, a more of a neutral character, or can weave in and out. Like That actually sounds pretty good. Yeah, I just don't yeah. like the term gray Jedi. I think hmm. just someone who's not a Jedi or a Sith. Someone who, like Ahsoka, who I don't think believes in those institutions anymore. They're free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so anyways, I don't know. Did this, did this show, did watching this, did it work? Did my ultimate plan work? Are you any more excited for Visions than you were before? I am, actually. The anime was good. My big hiccup was, or hang-up was, the anime. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear that, I'm like, eh. <laughs> but now you saw one, you're like, oh, and now I'm like, it okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to give it a thumbs up too. So, Thomas, you feeling completely like a new person now? I feel like a new person, yes. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> Did I need to be a new person? <laughs> Maybe. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> when are we going to watch our next anime? Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Thomas. <laughs> Once a week. <laughs> for eight weeks. Seven. Seven weeks, right? I don't know. I think no. I think it's nine episodes. Mm. Nine weeks then. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. No, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, here we go. We are back with some trivia because our listeners, our pink milk drinkers, enjoy laughing at us as we bomb so much so that we have a new sponsor for trivia, and Buck. that's Luminous Buck. thank you buck buck sent us a star wars trivia box i am so excited about this looking we um buck just so you know our children were very upset because of course we have young kids so a package arrives at the door and like the world is shutting down there's an entire (laughs) like everyone's gathered around the kitchen island waiting to see what it was and i have not looked at any of these questions my oldest son, Jack, was like, oh, so you're choosing your listeners over your own family? Uh, My yeah. response was, in this situation, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we have no idea what these questions are. We have not looked at any of them. Um, I'm really stoked. And I'm, I'm feeling really confident. I don't know if I'm feeling confident. Well. In myself. You, I'm always confident in you. But anyway, so <laughs> listeners, 
we have a new sponsor here at Pink Milk, and I'm very grateful. So thank you, Buck. I appreciate yes, you so thank much. You, Buck. Honestly, he's really cool. Buck was very nice. Buck was also when we were all famous together on Good Morning America. He and his other half were there too. That's cool. Yep. So Thomas. You yes, ready sir. to answer me some questions? Let's do I what? Am. Are we going to do 10? You want to do 10 apiece? Ooh, that sounds like a lot. But this is the first one. <laughs> Let's you, see how you, it goes. You owe it to Buck. You're going to go first. If you don't give me time, you're Please, telling Buck. people are going to turn off. You're going to tell Buck that we're he's, doing. Not, he's not worthy. Buck, you're very worthy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're first. Go for it. Okay. What does Derek, or what was Derek Kivian's nickname? A... Lerdo, B, Hobby, C, Peewee, D, Turner. D, Turner. <laughs> Hobby. He didn't live very long. Oh. And there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Waiting on you. All right. Brian Barry. Question number one. What was... Echo three. A. Oh my God, what's with all the uh... wedge Antilles? B. Han Solo. C. Luke Skywalker. D. Princess Leia. Oh my God. Okay, Echo three. Princess Leia, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, or Wedge Antilles? Correct. I don't know. I'm going to say Wedge. The correct answer is Luke Skywalker. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh my, these are like straight up all. And there's two on a card. Yeah, so I'm really about awesome. to read you another one. Excellent. What did Luke Skywalker promise Yoda as he was leaving? There's a lot of uh, Empire Strikes Back so far I'm today. I'm feeling lucky. A... Return and finish what he had begun. B, to mine the force. C, to fight the dark side. Or D, to practice levitation. A. Ding, ding, ding. Goes the trolley. And you can hop on board my trolley anytime (laughs) you want. All right. So I have one point and you have... That's right. You didn't hear anything because it doesn't happen. (laughs) All right, question number two. You said, oh, I'm sorry, who said, you truly belong with us here among Lando the clouds? Lando to Princess Leia. This Darn is like all Empire. Correct. I get double points because I didn't even get any uh, multiple choice there. Mm, so it's two no. to one. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm mixing them up just in case they are Me too. Empire. Okay. Oh, there's the puzzle pieces. Ooh. I don't know what these mean. Who is well, that? That's pretty cool. Who is that? Who is that? I don't know what these are. Okay, well, clearly I've never looked at these. Hey, Brian, we're doing okay. the show. Do, do, do. I'm like, nope, here's another empire. Who was Cloud City's computer liaison officer? A, Vuffy Ra. B, Lobot. C, Aglaste. Or D, King Oz. B. B, Lobot. Ding, ding, ding. Hmm. Huh. Love it. Question number three. Who was the costume designer? John Mulo. Molo, maybe. Harry Lang. 
Alan Tompkins, Tompkins, sorry, and, or D. Stewart Free, Freeborn. <laughs> hmm. One more time. Costume designer. It doesn't say what trilogy. That's all it says. Who was the costume designer? A. John Mulo. B. Harry Lang. C. Alan Tompkins. D. Stuart Freeborn. I think I'm going to say D. Stuart Freeborn. Uh, a. John Mulo. Okay. I've said his name three times, three times differently. I'm sorry, Buck. Sorry, Joe. Okay. Who uttered the words, Luke, don't give in to hate, to Luke Skywalker? A, Obi-Wan Kenobi. B, Yoda. C, Han Solo. D, Princess Leia. A, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ding, ding, ding. Oh my God, three to one. Luke, don't give in to hate. Don't do that. (laughs) Mm -mm. Don't touch me there. (laughs) It's your no-no score. (laughs) (laughs) All right, question number four. Mm, um, I don't know. All right. Captain Piet was promoted to an admiral. admiral. Mm-hmm. Who played him? Oh, my God. A, John Dix. B, Michael Culver. C, Kenneth Colley. D, Clive Revel. Oh, my God. I don't. One more time. This, oh, God. I don't think God's going to help you on this. Not after, not after what I was saying earlier about uh, exactly. Princess Mononoke. You got it. <laughs> Captain Piat was promoted to Admiral. Who okay. played him? John Dix, Michael Culver, Kenneth Colley, D. Clive Revel. It's either B or D. B. I don't know. Uh, D? D. No, C. Oh. Kenneth Colley. Okay. <laughs> I'm liking this book. Uh, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thanks, Buck. <laughs> Is this because I don't like the Jedi? Is this what it is? Buck's one of the ones who's always mad at me for my Luke Skywalker views and <laughs> Jedi views. <laughs> all right. Who? Oh, my God. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to shuffle. These are like all Empire Strikes Back. Well, you know, maybe some of them Empire say Star Wars. Wars. Some say uh, different names on. No, I don't know. Uh-huh. Okay. Which weapon short-circuited droid electrical system systems? A. Bowcaster, B. Ionization blaster, C. Lightsaber, D. Blaster rifle. Which weapon short circuited? B. B? Mm-hmm. Ding ding ding. How many do I have now? Uh, this is four to one. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. We should probably keep tally. I just wanted to hear, hear it out loud. <laughs> Here, get me a pen. I will keep it out loud. No, not now. Next week. <laughs> now I want to make sure I don't miss anything. <laughs> All right. This is just a trial run. Okay. Who was a slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler? Lando Calrissian. Oh, no. Han Solo. Uh, No, it's Han Solo. It was Han Solo. No, see, that's what happens when you get ahead of yourself. No, because it was was Lando Calrissian that said it. You, what's the the thing? A, Luke Skywalker. B, Han Solo. C, Darth Vader. Uh, Slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. Yeah. Or Boba that. You know, I'm feeling bad for you. I'm going to give it to you. It's Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> What's... Wow, he doesn't believe me. He's going to look. Yeah. Oh, no. I... I, mm-hmm. I know I exactly what you're So saying. do I. <laughs> <sighs> 
Where did Luke Skywalker bullseye womp rats? A. Beggar's Canyon. B. Ben's Mesa. C. Mushroom Flats. D. Hut Flats. C. Mushroom Flats. <laughs> What's the right answer? Beggar's Canyon. Oh, hello. That's where also Din Djarin buries the dead. Okay. For Pelimato. Good to know. <clears throat> okay, my turn. Who played Rogue Ooh. Four? Christopher Malcolm. Jesus Christ. Richard Oldfield. John Ratzenberger. And D. Dennis Lawson. Or D. Dennis Lawson. John Ratzenberger. I'm going to say Dennis Lawson because that's Wedge Antilles. I don't know. Uh, John Ratzenberger because that's the only other name I know. Nope. You want to mm. keep going? Nope. Richard Oldfield. This is why I'm losing, because look at the kinds of questions I get. You get, who's Lobot? But you're the super fan. I'm the one who's forced to listen. Of the movies, <laughs> not the actors behind them. I don't know. Oh, no, about it's this everything. <laughs> okay. What did C-3PO... See, you get these. You get these. No wonder you're winning. Thank you, Buck. <laughs> what did C-3PO thank uh, the maker for? A, a tune-up. B, a polish c an oil bath d a rewiring c oil bath mm-hmm. oh this oil bath's gonna be feel so good what movie was that in i don't know mm. one of them <laughs> <laughs> one of the original ones one of the one two threes right nope no the yeah, originals like I said, are, I don't know. the originals are four five sixes not one two threes yeah thank mm. you you know in my head the way i saw them one two three <laughs> all right Let's see, uh, how did the Imperial Probe droid know that Han Solo and Chewbacca had discovered it? A, Chewbacca roared. B, Han Solo yelled at it. D, Chewbacca slipped on the ice. D, Han Solo fired at it. D, Han Solo fired at it. Is it because Han Chewbacca yelled? Is that yeah, what he saying? roared. Hmm. What's the score now? It doesn't matter. It does to me. <laughs> that one I probably should have gotten. That's that's a bad call. According to Princess Leia, to which planet was she a, on a diplomatic mission? A. Dantooine. B. Onderon. C. Alderon. D. Tatooine. B. Eh. C. Alderaan. No, she was from Alderaan, I thought. Yeah, she was on a diplomatic mission from Alderaan. Oh, okay. I just thought she was from there. <clears throat> Both. All right. I guess that makes sense now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. What was the effects director But good on of... you for even knowing that. I'm impressed. Good job. Thank you. Can I have a point? No. Okay. All right. Who was the effects director of <laughs> Jesus photography? Christ. A. Ken Ralston, B. Dennis Moran, C. Jim Valorex, D. Selwyn Ebby, or the Eddie. In director of photography? Yeah. Who was the effects director of photography? One more time. I... Uh-huh. No wonder I'm losing. I'm not going to change any words. Who was the effects okay. director of no, photography? No, who are the names? What are the names? Oh, Ken. Ken, Dennis, Jim, Selwyn. Dennis. I don't know. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) I knew it was Dennis. That was a very easy one. Good job. Good job. (laughs) 
<laughs> Though I will say, thank you very much, Bob, because this is so much nicer than the way we used to do it. One, that book was awful. Yeah, that was you know, awful. These clearly, First we Googled. That was even bad. Clearly, Buck also sent my girlfriend along in the box. My girlfriend being Karma. <laughs> for all the anti-Jedi talk. Yeah. Uh, what was wrong with R5-D4? Again, you keep getting these easy ones. This is so not fair. <laughs> a, it had a bad motivator. B, it had a bad servo motor. C, it had bad communicate uh, had a bad communicator. Sorry, or D, it had a bad power coupling. D. Nope. Eh, eh, eh. C. Eh. A. Ding ding ding. <laughs> Uncle Owen, this one has a bad motivator. Hey, are you trying? What are you trying to pull on me? <laughs> and this is how R two D two came into the picture because. C-3PO is like, I can vouch for that one over there. Mm-hmm. And then he ran away with him. So why right. he sticks his neck out for him, he'll never understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have a question for me? I'm waiting for you. I just asked you a question. It's your turn. Oh. <laughs> Who was... Also, everyone, you can listen to Mark from After Dark on his Star Trek podcast, Sticky Number 2, part of the Bad Motivators Network. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking. You're looking. Okay, according to Luke Skywalker, if there was a bright center to the universe, what was Tatooine? The one farthest from. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ding, 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 ding. Thank you. My dings are getting... Uh, they're fading. Cause they're, are we tied now? I mean, I'm getting extra points because I don't even need the things. No, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> Well, I think we are tied now. I don't know. We Next week, we'll actually take track. Keep track. In which trash compactor were the rebel heroes trapped after attempting to rescue Princess Leia? A, 426. B, 325, 3827. C, 324. Or D, 429, 3830. D. Eh. Sorry about it. <laughs> three, five, three, two, five. 3827. Uh, why would anybody know that? Because we're nerds. <laughs> <laughs> two more. Two more. Well, how long do you do you want to go more? No. I was okay. going to say this is my last one, okay, but I'll give boom. you one after Ding, that. ding, ding. All right. Who did Darth Vader think was missing from the consular, consular ship? The consular ship? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Consular ship. A, counselor. B, vic- vicery. C, senator, senator, D, ambassador. The ambassador, D. Ding, 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 ding. Tear the ship apart. (laughs) All right. In what detention block was Princess Leia being held? A, AC24, B, AC13, C, AA23, or B... Ooh, there's a typo. <clears throat> or D A A one four. D. No. B. No. A. Definitely not A. C. C. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is my last one. <laughs> Who attacked... started off strong and dying slowly? <laughs> Who attacked R two D two and disassembled him? Dis disabled him as he was traveling the Jaws. rocky. 
All right. <laughs> you have one more for me. Because uh-huh. I have one more. No, because I went red first. So you have one more. No, I'm good. <laughs> Where did Luke Skywalker try to convince Biggs Darklighter that he had witnessed a space battle? A, Anchorhead. B, Tashi Station. C, Mos Eisley. D, the Lars Homestead. This is a tough one. B. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. But that's tough. You know, it's, it's tough for some people. Well, you know Tashi Station because <laughs> Uncle Homer, I was going to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Yeah. But the scene is a deleted scene. It's not oh. even in the movie anymore. Yeah, I know things. Okay, I get one more. <laughs> one more. All right. What did Yoda levitate out of the water? Oh, an X-Wing. Ding, 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 ding. Well, everyone... I was just tricking you all along. I was trying to help my husband here feel better about well, himself. Well, I think we were close. You may have won by one. Yes. Wouldn't you agree? I would definitely. I would <laughs> say that you actually won because you got a lot right for being forced to listen. So Honestly, I'm pretty impressed. I am too. I am too. Well, I hope all of you listening were impressed. Thank you again for listening to Trivia, sponsored by Luminous Bucky. Luminous Bucky, where you too can... Be a great person. I don't know how to really follow that. What is, what does Luminous you, Bucky sound like? Yeah, thank you, Buck. What does thank it sound you, like? I don't know. Thank you. I was trying to make <laughs> it like a business. Mm-hmm. We'll work on that commercial for next week. Yeah, that didn't work very well. I'm sorry, Buck. Anyways, thank you very, very thank much. Thank you, Buck. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, I hope this sounded great and fun. Not really talking about Star Wars when we're talking about Princess Mononoke. Next week, we have Star Wars Visions. I am so, so excited. So if you're listening to this on a Wednesday, the day it comes out, tune in Friday night for After Dark, where we will all be talking about Visions with a bunch of super fans and also Solo. Maybe I'll show up. A Star Wars story. Because I'll have so much to say. You want me to set up a whole mic and get you ready to go? Oh, yeah, you know. No. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much, everyone. We appreciate you. And uh, you can follow the show at Serving Pink Milk on both Twitter and Instagram. Shoot us an email if you want to at servingpinkmilk at gmail.com. If you are listening now, continuing to, please go ahead and head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review if you want to say something a little nice. Say something a little nice. We appreciate it. Until next week, Thomas, are you ready? I'm ready. Because it's that time. Drink up. Drink up. Drink up.